This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's my pleasure to bring you this week a conversation with St. Louis legend. It doesn't even need to be Cardinal legend. St. Louis legend, Mike Shannon. This is one we have been looking forward to doing, and we got a chance to talk to the Cardinal legend and St. Louis legend, as I made reference to, uh, for about an hour. Uh, and we are happy to bring that conversation to you. The conversation presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, the presenting sponsor of our guests here on the Tim McKernan Show. And if you haven't listened, because I'm, I'm, I'm discovering here via the downloads, a number of people are just finding out about the podcast. Uh, and so then they find out about it and they go, oh, I'll subscribe. And then when they subscribe, they see all of these interviews with all of these people. And so many of them are evergreen. In other words, you could listen to Gary Pinkle now. That was our very first episode. Uh, and it's like nothing has changed since then. So it's evergreen. Uh, whether it be politicians, uh, Jack Danforth has been a guest on the program. That would be evergreen. Um, so many different guests. Isaac Bruce. Uh, has been on the program uh, from a Rams perspective, Keith Kachuk, Chris Kerber, Kelly Chase from a Blues perspective, a number of politicians, and, of course, a number of Cardinals as well, and Mike Shannon, a legend as we go through his, uh, not just his career, but also his early life uh, here on the program today, all presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. If there's one thing... I go back in my 20s that I didn't do, it would be managing my money more effectively. I mean, it was an absolute mess. And I look back on it and I think to myself, what was I doing? And I think so many people would say the same thing. And it's a really, it's a really big regret. And it, I guess it's understandable in your 20s, but if you are in your 20s, this is the way to get it on track. So you're not doing what I'm doing now in my 40s and going, man, I missed it. At least now I, I can say, okay, I've got it, I've got it organized. But it wouldn't have been like, oh, I couldn't go out because I'm saving money or I'm putting money in my 401k. You just manage it responsibly. And it compounds and you build. And that's what you can do. You need somebody. And and that's why I'm here talking to you about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Exchange. Now, many of you may be in your 20s and say, what do you mean? Some of you might be in your 40s saying, well, it might be too late. I'm telling you, somebody, somebody in my 40s, you finally get your act together in the last year just like I did. Well, you're still going to go, what did I do in my 20s? But at least you got the act together. It's not too late. And if you're in your 20s now, is the time to do it. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Here's the thing that I can tell you about it that I think is so important because when when people recommend something that you don't quote-unquote think you need, and I want to emphasize that, I don't want to say need, think you need, it's like, oh, it's a whole thing, and I don't want to meet with somebody, and I don't want to go through I just don't want to. I just don't want to do it. And that's why he's there because it's not going to be like some series of meetings or a bunch of paperwork. I get mail, mail from places with paperwork, and I start looking around to go to it in a different direction. I think a lot of people are that way now. Uh, Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I met with him recently, 
and he walked me through his process, and I thought this was what I was missing in my 20s, and I started making money for the first time in my 20s. And as opposed to putting it on into online poker, I could have put it to use wisely. I could have paid off my condo. I could have invested. I could have done a lot of things that could have set me up now that I'm in my 40s, but I just didn't know any better. Now I met with Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com. That's evergreenstl.com, and in 20 minutes, he can open up his iPad, enter your numbers, and help you figure out how to get started on getting things set up the right way. It's that easy. He can help you build a strategy and help make it a lot clearer than thinking, well, I'll just put my money into savings. It's what I did. Moronic. It makes a whole lot more sense than following something that you read online or on Facebook. The thing that resonates with me when I met with him is that he truly does care about helping people. He built his business at a young age, and it's continuing to grow his business, and he's truly passionate about what he does. Contact him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. At the end, uh, that's that's what it's all about. At the end, it's making sure that you have somebody. And my recommendation is Mark Hanna. It's so helpful. And it's a lot different than it was even 10 or 20 years ago, because now you have somebody, you can check it out online and they, and they can help you along the way and you can monitor daily as opposed to waiting for statements in the mail. It's, it's a different world and put yourself in a better position. It's never too late to do it. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503 or check them out online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna offers securities through AXA Advisors, LLC, New York, New York, 212-314-4600. Member, FINRA, SIPC, annuity and insurance products offered through AXA Network, LLC. Evergreen Wealth Strategies is not owned or operated by AXA Advisors or AXA Network. Mark Hanna, uh, our presenting sponsor of Mike Shannon here on this episode of the Tim McKernan Show. And we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios, where we had our conversation with Mike Shannon, the St. Louis legend. Online at the HomeLoanExpert.com, if you are in the market to buy a home, if you are in the market to refinance a home, the HomeLoanExpert.com is where you need to be. And if you have credit card debt right now with home values as high as they are and interest rates as low as they are, do a cash-out refi, pay off the credit card, and start from scratch. That was something that I messed up in my 20s as well. You can get it right, and Ryan Kelly will help you get there. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his team at TheHomeLoanExpert.com, where charity is so important to them. Online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan, just getting back from his fourth annual climb for the kids, raising $50,000 for a variety of charities. That's the kind of person you're doing business with, plus a guy whose business continues to grow because he's smart, he works hard, and he wants to save you money. Online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Dot com. Mike Shannon, our guest. And, and and here's the thing. When I talk, when I the goal, let me put it this way. I don't know what I'm going to wind up getting, but the goal is always to try and get you, the listener, something you haven't heard before. Uh, ideally, my guest will be comfortable uh, and say things that uh, it's just be like having a conversation and they forget that there are microphones. That's That's essentially what the goal is. It doesn't always happen, and sometimes it can't happen. Um, but when you do get into that spot, uh, you wind up getting some good stuff. And a number of you, I would imagine almost all of you have heard Mike Shannon's voice. You've probably heard him do interviews, but you probably are not aware of his childhood and adolescence as far as how he grew up, South City, 
Epiphany Parish, for those of you into the parishes, I'm a St. Gabriel's Parish. Uh, we're maybe like a mile south of Epiphany Parish, I guess. Uh, and uh, and then just how great of an athlete he was, okay? And I'm not talking about baseball, by the way. To date, there has only been one high school athlete in the state of Missouri's history to be both the most outstanding player of the year in football and basketball the same year. It happened. It happened at CBC. And the person's name who did it, Mike Shannon, the guy who less than a decade later would be playing third base for the Cardinals in the World Series against the Yankees. And again, I didn't slip up. Basketball and football, most outstanding athlete. Not baseball. Where he was playing in the World Series and hitting a home run against the Yankees in game one in 64. Basketball and football. That's what we're talking about. And football, he went and played at the University of Missouri. And Frank Broyles, and, and I, Frank, I remember going through Missouri football coach history. And I'm like, Frank Broyles coached at Missouri. He coached at Missouri for one year. Uh, my first television job was Little Rock. And I met Frank Broyles uh, first time I went up to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I, I guess I would equate uh, for the late Frank Broyles now to perhaps Norm Stewart in Columbia. I mean, throughout the state where they don't have uh, major league teams, uh, you know, the University of Arkansas is everything. And Frank Broyles was the guy for the University of Arkansas, but he was the head coach at Missouri for one year. Uh, and Mike Shannon played for him. And Frank Broyles said if he would have stuck with football, he was a Heisman Trophy caliber uh, quarterback. So that's that's the kind of guy that the Cardinal broadcaster who most of us, I would imagine, and my peers in their 40s and 30s would say, and certainly in 20s, think of him as the Cardinal broadcaster. People older remember him as a Cardinal player, but people even who remember him as a Cardinal player might not realize how great of an athlete he was. So what I wanted to do was get into that history uh, of the earlier part of his career before talking about his time as a Cardinal broadcaster and all of his stories. And so that's what we got into. I loved it because I'd never heard him talk about it. I've heard other people talk about it, but I haven't heard him talk about it. And that's what you get here today on the Tim McKernan Show with our guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, the great Mike Shannon from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. So I want to go back. I'm a South City guy, St. Gabriel's, Tam yeah. Avenue, and you're a South City guy. But you're Epiphany, correct? Correct. That's correct. All right. And so if you could take me back to what it was like growing up on the south side in the Epiphany Parish. Well, we had a really good uh, coach over there by the name of Harry Bresnahan. And he, he taught everybody the fundamentals of uh, basketball and also baseball. And he was excellent at that. Okay. In fact, when I went to high school at CBC, uh, the, the coach over there, D.C. Wilkett, who was an outstanding coach and an outstanding player on the national champions at St. Louis University. And he would say, I love to get the kids out of uh, Epiphany grade school because they knew the fundamentals. He didn't have to teach them the fundamentals of one-on-one. So Harry Bresnan was the guy that really taught everyone how to play the game. Wow. I, I didn't realize that there was a tradition yeah. of sorts with Epiphany. Well... I mean, he was just a guy. I mean, he he coached everything. He was a he worked for a bread company, okay. And so he got up early in the morning. And he delivered his bread. So he was finished by a, a time to work on after school on the uh, athletic program. And you were the 
Uh, second oldest of six children growing up on Winona Avenue. I know exactly where Winona Avenue is, so I guess eight people in the house. Uh, what was uh, what was that like growing up? Well, you know, I had uh, brothers and sisters, and it was fantastic. My father uh, was on the police force, and uh, while he was on the police force, he was going to Washington University Law School, became a lawyer, and worked in the city for a number of years. So uh, we had a very good uh, family relationship and uh, growing up with brothers and sisters that took care of one another. Did, did, were you in a different world athletically when you look back on grade school, not even getting to CBC yet, but when you were playing, I would imagine it was CYC, uh, was it clear that, that you, you stood out from, from the other kids? I always wonder how it starts for professional athletes. I don't care if it's baseball or golf, if they're in another world when they're 8, 10, 12 years old. Yeah, when I was 11 years old, I was playing on a 15-year-old team. So, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was very evident that I had the natural ability, the God-given ability, okay? It was just a matter of uh, developing it after that. So were you were you working out? or I mean, it's a different ball game now. Like, you know, if parents focus on one sport, what were, what were you doing uh, at that no, time? Whatever was in, I played uh, football, basketball, and baseball, okay? And I can remember going from football thinking, oh, I'm in great shape. In which I was for football. Then I'd go to basketball. And those first two days of basketball practice, <laughs> man, I was dying. And then we go right from then you go right from basketball to uh, baseball. And I did that in college also. I played all three sports in college. And, and this is a fun fact for no and tell. And in doing my research for our conversation, I didn't realize this. Uh, you are the only person in Missouri high school history to win the Missouri High School Player of the Year in both. Not baseball, by the way, in both football and basketball your senior year. So you played professional baseball, but you won the Missouri High School Player of the Year in both football and basketball at CBC. And in the same year, and no one's ever done that in the same year, and then, <laughs> that's almost 60 years ago. So <laughs> somebody better hurry up and get it done. But you're, you're, you're correct, uh, Tim. Most people today... Uh, concentrate on just one sport and specialize like our society you know you go to the doctor he said oh i'm not a lung doctor i'm an ear and throat guy so you got to go to the lung doctor or you go to the lung doctor and he said well i'm an ear nose and throat guy so you got to go to this person so most people in our society today are specialized in their and in my good red cheney good friend red cheney who just passed you know he he was sitting with some uh some uh 20 to 30 year olds and he said boy i feel sorry for you guys <laughs> what do you mean he said, well i feel sorry for you because you're not going to be able to experience the things that i experienced for instance when i was playing football you had to play both offense and defense yeah of course that, that's very seldom does that happen anymore but it was good because you learned everything, and, and, and a lot of athletes come to uh, the big leagues now, and they just played baseball the one sport. They didn't have the advantage of uh, of playing a basketball or football or another sport. And you you learn things in those sports that will help you in another sport. So you're, you're playing, and you're obviously an incredible athlete with winning those awards in high school, and then you decide to go to the University of Missouri um, and I didn't realize this again until doing research for our interview, but it, it, you played for Frank Broyles, who's, a, who's of course a legend in college football, just recently passed away, but he spent one year as the Missouri head coach. That is correct. And the, uh, the team that he recruited was a national champion team in 1960, 61. 
uh, until the last game when Kansas ran a nine-man line against them, uh, which was absurd. <laughs> but they just didn't have a quarterback. But uh, there was five high school Americans just in the backfield. There was one high school All-American on the line. And it was probably the greatest. In fact, there was a magazine that said it was the greatest uh, a bunch of athletes ever recruited for a freshman team. Some uh, sport magazine or something back there uh, said that. But Frank was a split-T quarterback. I mean, a split-T uh, uh, coach, all right? Mm-hmm. I was a split-T quarterback. And, and uh, I almost switched when he left and went to – uh, Arkansas. I almost switched and went back to USC. In fact, I called the guy and asked him if he'd still take me, and he said, "Yeah." Uh, but Dan Devine came in, and he was a multiple offense guy, and so I stayed in Missouri. So you're playing basketball. You're clearly great at baseball, and you're also uh, were under Frank Broyles. And now here comes Dan Devine. Not a bad set of coaches there in that in that <laughs> circumstance. What, what did you do? You recall what you enjoyed playing the most at that time? Oh, there's no doubt it was football. That was the game. It came a lot easier for me. You know, basketball, I wasn't big enough, fast enough, or uh, or skilled enough to uh, play that professionally. And so I, I went into uh, baseball because uh, that's where you had a pension plan and you could earn more money. It was, it's, it was uh, specifically an economic decision, plain and simple. And uh, I had to work at that, though. I had to really work hard. So, so yeah, I was reading up on this. If had you had there been a better economic structure, as you just made reference to, Mike, in football, it sounds like that's the, that's that's the path you would have chosen. And obviously, your life turns out incredibly differently, considering what you've been doing for the last fifty years. Well, you know, those are the things that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. But uh, I was just fortunate enough to uh, come along at the proper time, as far as baseball was concerned. Uh, which was just the opposite for football. I was just a little too early for football before the American Football League came into effect. I was about three or four years too early for that. But then I got to uh, play in the big leagues on the great Cardinal teams of the 60s. So you you never know what's going to happen in this business. And and really the trick to being as successful is getting on a good team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? And man, were you a part of a great one? So starting in 1962, you're up with the big club with the Cardinals uh, and getting a chance to play for your hometown team. I realize it's different in 2018 than it was in 62, but did you feel a little added pressure because you were playing in your hometown or were you just enjoying the absolute pleasure of being a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, no, I, I had the pressure of that because I thought everybody at the ballpark was, you know, my neighbor, <laughs> <laughs> which, which basically they were, and, and so to speak, back then anyway. But, you know, I was so fortunate to play with the uh, – well, well, first of all, when I came to the big leagues, there was like 170 – years of experience, you know, at Stan Buger, Kurt Simmons, Bobby Shantz, uh, uh, Carl Sawatsky, and the list went on and on, okay? And uh, Kenny Boyer, and Dick Grode, Bob Skinner. I mean, I learned so much from those guys, and and they were such good fundamental players, and they and, and I sat there for a couple of years just watching it and, and, and learning. And then, of course, the uh, Along came Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and so forth and so on, and uh, we had a really, really fine teams. What, what, what lessons or life lessons even or advice, baseball advice, do you remember getting from that 170 years of experience in that clubhouse? I mean, you're talking about lined with Hall of Famers. Well, 
Well, you sit and you observe, okay? If you're you're smart enough to do that and you watch and you, and you learn, okay? It's the same thing I did when I went to the broadcast booth. I had no experience whatsoever. I had no idea what their signs were up there, but I had the Jack Buck and uh, the great people that I worked with, and, and uh, so consequently I learned from them. In 1964, you get to play in the World Series for your hometown team, and and you're, you're up against the New York Yankees. I mean, this is this is like a movie script, and you get a chance to to play in that and hit a, a home run uh, that has great importance to the eventual Cardinal World Series win. If you can uh, take us back to 1964, the Cardinals and the New York Yankees, and you in that position, Mike. Well, in the first game, uh, I was fortunate enough to hit a home run off of Whitey Ford, and we went on to win that game. And, of course, it's so important. Back then it was, anyway. And it still is today is to win that first game of a, a playoff for a World Series. And uh, I can remember riding home that night. That's when we had two papers here. And uh, mm-hmm. the Globe Democrat had an early paper that came out in the – in the uh, uh, you know, it was a morning paper, but it came out in the evening uh, the night before. And uh, that big block letters about the home run on the. Uh, <laughs> I had stopped coming home from uh, dinner and, and I bought the paper, and there was uh, big block letters with my name on it. And, uh, you know, that's a thrill. Okay, first of all, a, a thrill to play in, in the World Series. There hadn't been one in St. Louis since, uh, since uh, let's see, 46. Yeah. And, and that was 64. So. I mean, it was it was an unbelievable time, and for me, it was even uh, a double or triple because it was my own hometown, and to get to play in a World Series in my own hometown and against the, the same New York Yankees and hit a home run off of uh, Whitey Ford, the, the, the future Hall of Famer, I had to pinch myself. <laughs> I would I would imagine so, and and the career continues on. Uh, you're part of a yet another World Championship in in '67. And a team, and sometimes I've heard guys on your team talk about that 68 team. And unfortunately, here in St. Louis, I feel like we've had a few of these, whether you want to look at like the 85 team that was up uh, 3-1 on the Royals, uh, and of course the infamous Denkinger call in Game 6, or the 2004 team that got swept by the Red Sox. It's some great teams that just came up short when it got down to it in the World Series. The Cardinals were up on the Tigers, and then uh, they were able to come back and, and win the World Series. For you, if you can take us back to that, you won in 64, you won in 67. I oftentimes would hear Tony LaRusso say, one of the things that, that really motivates me is I enjoy the wins, unfortunately, a little more than I hate the losses. How did you recall taking uh, the loss to the Tigers in Game 7 and 68? I think I take it worse as the years go by than I did back then, all right? Because you always had another chance back then the next day or the yeah. next year, so forth and so on. So uh, that, that, that opportunity is gone forever. And people talk about, uh, you know, a flood slipping on a ball that north the pit and uh, rock not sliding. But the key to that whole series, in my mind, was that Mayo Smith let, let his starting pitcher a bat when they were down in the in the fifth game, okay, and we had them down three games to one, and it was Lowlich, and he got a base hit, and that turned the momentum of the entire series around. And the uh, Tigers, unfortunately, go on to win it. The Cardinals uh, continue well, on. But, but you know, it was it was unfortunate for us. But you know, that team would have never been recognized. Uh, uh, for the fact that they had, and they was a that was a really good baseball team. Okay, 
And they would have never been recognized as a good team if they wouldn't have won that World Series. Yeah, yeah. That's a, and that was huge for, for the city of Detroit at that oh, time. Oh, there's no doubt about considering it. Considering what was going on in, in that city in the summer of, of 1960. 1960. What, what was it like around St. Louis in the 1960s with the baseball Cardinals? We picture it now, but, I mean, it's such a modernized version with Ballpark Village and, and a new ballpark. You played in both Sportsman's Park and Bush Stadium too, what what was it like around coming to the ballpark and being a player then, and how it compares and contrasts with what you see uh, when you're in the KMOX broadcast booth now, Mike? Well, I, you know, the, the uh, fans here in St. Louis are so phenomenal, and uh, and I, I think that was really uh, we had just carried on the tradition. If you look back on Cardinal baseball, the tradition is phenomenal. You got to go back to the Gas House Gang, and then after the Gas House Gang, you had the, the Stan Musial Red Changes era. And then after that, you had uh, the 60s uh, with uh, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and so forth and so on, and uh, the success that we had in the 60s. And then uh, you had the Ozzie Smith uh, and the Willie McGee uh, term. So we've been fortunate all through the years. And then after that, it was the Albert Pujols uh, year. So we've always had those great players and, and Hall of Famers to carry the tradition on. It's always great when new sponsors come on board the show, and it's even better when I meet with those sponsors, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is someone our audience would most certainly benefit from talking to. And I'm talking about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Now, I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, uh, since the theme of today's questions from the audience is regrets, here you go, I have a major regret about how I managed my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm, I'm legitimately almost embarrassed by it because there's no excuse. Like if you're in your teens, it's like, okay. But, you know, I mean, this was bad. Uh, there's someone, however, who can help you. Doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna, H-A-N-N-A-H, of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. Now, I met with Mark and was thinking that it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast, of course. That's part of the game. But when I meet with people who I would either be endorsements doing endorsements for on the radio or on the podcast, I've got to meet them and make sure that I'm on board either with their company or the person themselves because you don't want to get in a spot where you're talking about somebody uh, and, and you're going, oh, in the back of your mind, this, this, is, not, this is not somebody that I want to talk about. But then I'm meeting with him, and I, you know, so I want to find out what he's all about. Sure enough, after like talking to him, for 10 minutes, I'm saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. That's what he can do for you. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. Again, Mark Hanna is his name. Check him out at evergreenstl.com. The key that people don't know about when it comes to managing money, and it's so important, the key is just having a plan. That's all it is. It really and even if you're going, I have no money to save, or I can't do this, I can't do it, it doesn't matter to have a plan and then have an idea of what's going on. And then maybe you go, oh, I don't need to do this. I can do this. And it's so simple. He sits there with an iPad, he enters in your numbers, and then you have an idea. And that's all it takes. And how much that helps. Oh, I'm telling you. I sat with Mark, he opened up that iPad, he entered in the dollar figures. It could be your 401k, it could be your savings, it could be your investments, and he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day, and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes, and make sure 
your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. So you have this incredible run in the 1960s, obviously an absurdly talented athlete with your success, not just in in baseball, but also in high school and college with football and basketball. And then it, and then it comes to an end in, in 1970 and and plenty of our audience members, you know, may know that you were a a St. Louis Cardinal and a world champion. And of course, know you as the voice of the baseball team for so many years, but they may not know what happened when you were 30 years old and, uh, in, in, in your ball career came to an end in, in 1970. So, so what happened then, Mike? Well, uh, you know, uh, and it's just a routine lab test. Uh, uh, I, I, I developed nephritis, and the guy told me, he said, you have ethiopathic memoryness, gamorial nephritis. I said, whoa, time out. But that ended my uh, athletic career, and uh, and like I say, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. I was offered a, a minor league uh, managing job. I was offered a, a chance to coach in the big leagues with the Cardinals, and uh, I, I had uh, – I had suffered through that uh, kidney that disease, and I was very fortunate to have the one of the most foremost kidney specialists in the entire world, and a phenomenal doctor, uh, team doctor, Doctor London, and I survived all of that. And then, and then I went into the front office. I was able to work again. I went into the front office. I spent a year in the front office, and then the the radio job became available. And uh, of course, uh, <laughs> that's history. Yeah, so so how did that all how did that all start up? Because you go from playing, you're in the front office, and and next thing you know, you're in the broadcast booth. But I'm sure there was a process to that, and as you made reference to, uh, the element of not having experience. So how did that all come to pass? Well, I, I had one person that uh, was an executive that had a lot of confidence in me. Okay, and so, uh, uh, but uh, and I was a Bush and on the. Uh, ball club at the time and they they came to me and they asked me if i'd be interested in the broadcast job and i said yes i would be and uh you know i worked with jack buck for all those years and then joe buck and uh and we go on from there and, and and as you're getting your start in broadcasting uh how do you how how are you getting along with it was jack pointing some things out did, did i mean it's a different world now with twitter or facebook where you where if somebody doesn't like a broadcaster they they make it their life's cause to make that person miserable on social media that wasn't going on but how how was the reception out of the gate to a guy who's from St. Louis who played ball but now he's in the broadcast booth well you know i had so much to learn and uh, and i and and again uh, I had a, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, professional in uh, Mr. Buck to, uh, to to help me, okay? And all I had to do was to observe, okay? Much like when I came to the big leagues with uh, all of the great experience with the Stan Musers and the Red Chainies, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I observed, all right? And uh, I went on from there. And I've never tried to uh, emulate anyone else. I just, uh, I, I just have been myself. And uh, and the uh, fans were uh, were patient enough, and and uh, and they they tolerated me. Okay, in the first uh, couple of years, plain and simple. But as as time has gone on, I think people have come to absolutely love 
your calls and, uh, you know, the passion and just how real it sounds because it isn't a trained broadcaster. is isn't somebody who, like, went to, I went to the University of Missouri Journalism School. It's, it's somebody calling it how he sees it and talking in a way that, that many fans can relate to. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so beloved. What do you think plays a role in that, Mike? Well, I, I think it's a combination of, you know, you know, being a player, then the front office, uh, employee and then a broadcaster and so forth and so on. I, th- I think the entire mix and being from, uh, and being from this area too, you know, when I, when I say, uh, you know, grand and dirty, a lot of people remember that. Okay. Or if I say that this ballpark, you know, I got to play in uh, the two of the three ballparks that we've had here. Okay. The, the old ballpark, which was, uh, you know, sportsman's park and then turned into Bush stadium when the, the brewery brought the ball club. And then the first, uh, uh, the stadium that was built in the 60s and, uh, and those good teams in the 60s and then the new ballpark. I've been involved in all of those. And so uh, I think the combination when you put it all together, uh, it works. So in the 1980s, uh, the Cardinals have an incredible run. And uh, I had Jay Randolph Sr. in studio as a guest on the show. And he was talking about the fun of of hanging out with you uh, with Jack Buck and with Whitey after games and, and just winding up like hanging out in Whitey's hotel room or in, in, in the manager's room at the ballpark and just having some Budweiser's and just BSing about that night's game. And uh, that, of course, is something that I can't imagine happening in 2018. But Jay Randolph Sr. was talking about it and just smiling, thinking back to those memories. What what do you remember of that time, Mike? Well, I remember a lot of that also, and of course, uh, it was again fortunate for me. I worked with Jay on television for years and years with Channel Five and, and doing Cardinal baseball. But uh, Jay and I used to uh, play golf early in the morning, then we'd go to the racetrack, and then we'd go to the ballpark, and then we would start all those festivities that you 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 were talking about. <laughs> and I continued that on with uh, uh, Tony Larusa when he was here as the manager. You know. He and I became good friends, and are still are good friends. And and, uh, and Whitey, I, I was friends with with Whitey Herzog. But I mean, I've enjoyed uh, so many things with Tony La Russa, uh, as far as dinners are concerned. And and, and you know, I'll give you an example how uh, veered uh, uh, Jay Randolph is. Uh, he told me he said, if you ever see Jack Nicholas, tell him hello for me. So I didn't I didn't see Jack for two or three years, and then I, I was at his club down in Florida, and I walked by, and, and he's in having dinner with his wife and two other couples. And so I stopped in, I introduced myself, and I said, I don't want to bother you, but I just wanted to say hi for uh, Jay Randolph to you. And, you know, Jack kept me there for another five minutes talking about Jay and asking about Jay and what he was doing and so forth and so on. I said, I didn't want to bother you, Mr. Nichols. I just want to say hi for him. So then when he was finished, then his wife, Barbara, kept me for another five minutes. They loved Jay Randolph and, and all of those guys going going back to that era because Jack, because uh, Jay was such a big, big part of that. And he's going to be a big part of this uh, 100th PGA tournament when we're out at the uh, Bell Reeve also, yeah. he's, he's revered by uh, uh, the, the, the great ones, the Palmers, the Nicholases, and, and, and so forth and so on. Yeah, he's so admired, and uh, people loved when he was in here telling his stories of, of, in particular, all of his time touring the world and, and calling so many signature events. You mentioned Bell Reeve. I know you love uh, the game of golf. Uh, how excited are you for the PGA Championship? 
Well, I'm very excited because this is going to be a special event because it's the 100th career, uh, and, and it's going to be a it's going to go down in history as as the 100th. Okay, and you, you, when you work up to 120 and 150 and 200, okay, it's going to they're going to look back. It's like I have a friend that that built the Panama Canal, and I got to go down and see all of that, and uh, before they opened the new canal, and it, it, it you know that that's it was a hundred years down there. They had a they had they had an animal that they uh, they had to remove from that area, okay. And it was you know they figured it was just a little baby, but when the, when the first Panama Canal was was done, okay. <laughs> so I mean, you, you, this is going to be a, a very very pertinent, uh, big event that's going to go down in history, and people. They need to recognize that fact. The PGA definitely has it. And, and people have to remember, too, that this is not like the U.S. Open or, or those other tournaments. This is the Professional Golf Association's tournament, okay? It's the, only, it's the only Players Association tournament, okay? And it's their biggest tournament. And so, consequently, the professional, just what it says, PGA, it stands for Professional Golf Association. And it is the players' uh, tournament. It's their mat. It's their big uh, tournament. It's their big one. So, and then and this is the 100th uh, anniversary. Okay, so this is a big deal. Yeah, I'm uh, super fired up for it. Do you have a player? Because I know you play a lot. Do you have a player who you would love to see win it? Is there somebody that you really pull for? You know, there's a, there's always somebody that comes out of the woodwork somehow, some way, and I and I and I would imagine it's going to be the same here. When you think back at majors, okay, and you know, of course, when you had Nicholas dominating, and then you had uh, Mr. Woods dominating, uh, they did. But in today, these kids are so talented, and you look at no one can dominate. There, no one has dominated the game since uh, Tiger Woods. Yeah. But and, and for good reason because these uh, these young golfers are such phenomenal athletes now. I mean, they're in shape. Uh, you know, it's just like it's like the athlete that uh, the baseball player. Okay, so people say, well, are they better? Yeah, they're better physically. They're better shape. They 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 have all of the facilities that are available to them now. Do they play as well? Well, that's debatable. Okay, but uh, are they in better shape? Are they bigger, stronger? Definitely bigger, stronger, faster. Are they better? Well, on 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 learning the game or how to play the game. You know, a question I ask all, all the people I have on my shows. I said, "Are you tougher? Are you tougher than your grandfather?" And not <laughs> nobody's ever said they were. Yeah, I was, I was about because, to instantaneously say no. <laughs> well, we sure because that was the times. That's because. That dictated how that dictated how tough they had to be. Okay, you know, in the old stories about walking twenty miles in the snow, you know, when it was up to your waist and going to school. Well, people actually did that, you know, because they had they had a great desire to learn, and they and they didn't have the modern facilities that we have now. So it's true, plain and simple. Not because of anything else, uh, rather than nature or society. Okay, I mean, if the if the guy wouldn't have invented the chip, we wouldn't be talking on this telephone. We wouldn't have the. the in other words, when computers first came out, they occupied buildings that were fifteen and twenty stories tall. Yeah. When that guy yeah. when he invented the chip over in Japan, then he was the guy that allowed us to have the the, the laptops and, and the telephones and so forth. It's because of that chip. If it wasn't for that chip, 
we'd still be uh, we'd be going down to see these buildings with the, all the computers there. Now we have our laptops. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's you know you, you talk about technology and how it's advanced uh, American culture and sure. globally, and that's what people talk about with the game of golf. I was down, and I know we're both kind of living in the same area at PGA uh, during during spring training, and it was at the Honda Classic where Jack Nicklaus, who you were just talking about, kind of made a plea for the game to dial back the technology that has made a course that's going to probably play close to 7,500 yards, Bell Reeve, Mike, uh, something that well, some guys will be hitting, you know, driver wedge on holes that Nicholas, yeah. who was a great driver of the ball, would have been hitting much longer irons into. What do you think what he says about that? Well, well, but, you know, are you going to trade in your 39 Packard for one of these automobiles we have today? No. <laughs> Forget it. You, know, you can't. You can't go back. Are you going to tell? Are you going to tell the the, the young man that's uh, 15 years old that can operate the computer and his telephone that he's got to go back to Mall Bell? <laughs> Forget it, pal. <laughs> it's over with. It's not going to happen. Now, uh, did they? You just have to design courses uh, for that. When they designed courses uh, back in the 20s and the 30s, they designed them for, for the the average golfer, okay? And it's the same thing now, okay? Now, we have amateurs that are hitting the ball further than the pros hit it back uh, in, the, in the 20s and the 30s. And, for instance, okay, the baseball players, they're making $20 million a year. You think they're going to play for the $5,000 minimum that we played for? <laughs> you, you they make that in a half that. inning now. Yeah, you, you better pay it forward more more likely than pay it backwards. Uh, Joe Buck was in here a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about uh, you know a variety of things, certainly a lot of golf. He's down to like a one-two handicap now. Uh, well, he is a you know when when I when I first had contact with Joe, he he didn't hit his driver. And I said to him, I said, Joe, if you want to play this game, you've got to hit a driver. And uh, he has turned himself in and made himself one heck of a. He's a he's a single digit player now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and when when he first started, uh, <laughs> he couldn't break a uh, hundred. All right, but he was he dedicated himself, and it's just like his profession, you know, Joe Buck has so much talent; it's unbelievable. Joe Buck has the two. Best jobs in the business. No one in the history of uh, broadcasting has ever had the same two jobs at the same time. That's how good he is, and, and he, he's so talented. And, and he's gonna, you know, uh, we've been so blessed here with the Bob Costas and and, and uh, Dan Deardorff, and the list goes on and on and on. And and, and, uh, and Joe Buck is gonna be right at the top of all of that. Joe Mike was saying that he would spend. I mean, really, the way he learned the game was, he said, when he was on the road, just starting out, and and you guys would whatever city you were in. He called it like the Shannon Tour. There's the PGA Tour and there's the <laughs> Shannon Tour, and you had you had the best courses and you were ready to go. And you guys would play in the morning or, or late morning, and then head over to the ballpark. Well, like I say, I, I was very fortunate. I got to play with Jay Randolph and uh, and Joe, and uh, that's what we did. We got up, and I, I did anyway. I got up in the morning, and I like to be the first guy off of the the tee. If it was six a.m., it was six a.m. Uh -huh. Seven a.m. It was seven, and then after that. Uh, We'd go to the racetrack, okay, and I would go to the racetrack, and, and Joe occasionally went with us. I can remember when, when Joe was going to do his first the Kentucky Derby or Belmont, and, and, and Bob Costas the same. Uh, they'd go say, hey, uh, tell me about this or tell me about that. 
And so they they were smart enough to pick other people's brains, and uh, and uh, I did the same thing, uh, you know, what I mean? and, and mostly by observing. My mine was by observing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of like osmosis. James Carlton of State Farm Insurance is just a fine, fine guy. And as a matter of fact, we've been talking about how great he is as far as knowing his business, the customer service of his business at 314-961-4800 or applying online at carltoninsurance.net. But James was telling me, we had lunch uh, earlier this week, as a matter of fact, and man, that guy knows how to pick out sushi for the record. Uh, He was telling me that uh, several of the listeners of the Tim McKernan show have contacted him about life insurance. So it got him to, uh, to thinking uh, about making sure that we talk about life insurance in the course of uh, talking about James Carlton. So if you're buying a house, getting married, or have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay if you don't make it home. Call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. Although the worst is unlikely, None of us would leave the driveway without strapping our little tykes into a car seat. Life insurance is no different. Although it's not likely that you don't make it home tonight, it's not a risk worth taking when it comes to providing for your loved ones. State Farm is the number one provider of term life insurance in the U.S. So call James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. If someone wrote you a check for two times your salary to never work again, most of us would say, not a chance in hell that I'm cashing that. However, many of us solely rely on group coverage to protect our families. It's great if your employer provides that benefit, but most of us with families know there's no way they would be okay with just two times our salary if we passed away. Call James today at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to make sure your loved ones are protected. Joe said he actually got closer to you at, at a time period uh, than his dad. Not because there was any problem with him and his dad. It's just he was spending so much, so much time with, with you in those, I guess, in the in 1990s, I suppose, uh, when he was first starting out. And, you know, uh, my, my, my children uh, were his, the same age as uh, Joe was, of course. And, uh, but, but, you know, if your dad tells you something or your uncle tells you something, you're going to pay more attention to your uncle, let's face it. <laughs> your dad's always saying. But it's always like that, okay? It's like, who took you to your first baseball game? Who took you to your first uh, football game? It was either a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, something like that, okay? Yeah. But you remember that always. Absolutely. Yep. You know what? The, the the night of my first Cardinal game, which I'll always remember, August of 82, was the night before one of your signature calls. The first night I went to a Cardinal game, Lonnie Smith hitting inside the Park Giants. And the next day, that was a Saturday night, the next day, Glenn Brummer stole home. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember that one for a long time. <laughs> you know what I remember? I remember that it was how ridiculous it was. But I also remember uh, the umpire calling him safe instead of calling the ball a strike. Right. And I also remember the, the San Francisco manager who was out there uh, five or ten minutes after the game still arguing with the home plate umpire after everybody was leaving the ballpark. Okay? I mean, it was just one of those unique uh, situations. That's what's so wonderful about our game of baseball. 
and, and athletics in general. When you go to the ballpark, when we go out to Bell Reef, we don't know what we're going to see. We, we, we might see a guy make a hole-in-one. We might see a guy make a nine or a 12 on a hole. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. And when I go to the ballpark uh, tonight, I might see a no-hitter or a perfect game or a guy hit uh, uh, six get six base hits or, or or hit five home run. You just never know what's going to happen because uh, the, the script is not written. <laughs> There's nothing to follow. Guys, just go do it. I think when I'm trying to think of my, my lifetime of Cardinal baseball history, which begins with that night in 1982, and then fortunately less than two months later they win a World Series, so I was hooked right away. I feel like if I had to think of the moment that gave me the greatest excitement because it came out of nowhere and then also its importance was David Freeze's triple with two strikes in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. Is there a that moment? Was the key, Go ahead. That was the key play in that series, okay? And the phenomenal thing, that, that right fielder they had was a pretty good player. And why he would let that ball go over his head I, is still beyond me. That was the biggest play of that entire series, yep. okay? Yep. And, of course, everybody remembers the home run that David hit, and rightly so. But that triple, and, and there's something. How many times is uh, David Freeze going to hit a triple? On <laughs> that might be the he, only one. <laughs> Well, it could very well be, but you couldn't you couldn't find a nicer person or a better person. Here's a guy that played in the World Series in his hometown. He's from St. Louis, also. Mm-hmm. And but that was to me that was the biggest play of that entire series. How that outfielder could let that ball go over his head. Well, that that lost the World Series for for Texas, and it won the World Series for the Cardinals. Really in did. My mind. Is is there a moment in the broadcast booth, and, it's, and I realize it's an unfair question because there's so many, but is there one, and maybe there's something that, that you were aware of or you and your broadcast partner at the time were aware of because you were seeing things behind the scenes that stands out to you? I know Jack Buck in his book talked about he had uh, a child dealing with an illness in the booth, and, and he caught a foul ball. like off Sure, I remember that yeah. very, very much, so I was there for that. But as far as on the field uh, concerned, uh, and and we're we're so fortunate to be able to do things for people uh, uh, that are so important in their life because we we have been presented those opportunities because of our position. Okay, it's it's not that we're important; it's that the position is so important. Hopefully, somewhere along the line, we'll enhance the position. Okay, but. As far as on the field is concerned, I can remember in Chicago at Wrigley Field when one of their pitchers knocked down uh, Albert and hit the next pitch about nine miles over the left field wall. <laughs> now, that's the kind of stuff that excites me, okay? And that, and the home run that he hit down in uh, Houston <laughs> off of the railroad track almost <laughs> derailed the train. I mean, you know, people don't realize what a phenomenal and great baseball player that Albert Pujols uh, is and was here in St. Louis. They will when he goes into the Hall of Fame and he retires and they look back at history. But this guy, he's one of, I mean, well, you're talking about guys like Willie Mays, who's so revered in this business, and I thought was the smartest player I've ever seen. But Albert Pujols is right there with Willie Mays, okay? I mean, <laughs> and then if you ask Willie, Willie would probably say, yeah, this guy's phenomenal, and he is. And he is, you, you cannot compare one era to another era, okay? Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you something. He dominated his era 
much like Gretzky has dominated his air when he was playing hockey. Yeah, no question about that. And he will get a chance to come back to Bush Stadium for the first time since leaving after 2011 right. next year. Next That's year. going to be some kind of moment, yeah. isn't it, Mike? Yes, it is. And uh, I can't wait for the, uh, the ovation he's going to get. Yeah, that'll be uh, incredible. That's uh, coming up when the Angels finally come back to St. Louis for the first time in a, in, in a long time. I want to ask you about this because we just saw it this past weekend with a number of guys going into the Hall of Fame, including a guy you made reference to, and that's Bob Costas. Um, I, I, I feel like here in St. Louis people are kind of going, you know what, why isn't Mike Shannon receiving the, the Ford C. Frick uh, Award? It seems like that's that's actually not only logical, but but in a sense overdue. Um and, and I know people say that, of course, is a compliment. What is your What is your reaction to that? Well, uh, I, I don't. Uh, I, a lot of that is uh, political, and I don't really get into that. Not Not that Bob Costas wasn't going to go in, or Joe Buck. He's another guy that's going to go in. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been so fortunate here in St. Louis to have such great broadcasters. Okay, I mean, it's phenomenal when you think about it. Think about the great people that we've had here. I mean, Hall of Famers, and he, even better than that. Uh, I'll give you another example. One of the greatest, and you, and you hear reference by by other professionals in, in the same profession about Bob Starr and what a great football broadcaster he was. Okay, I mean, he revered in that uh, in that element. And, uh, it's just the list goes on and on and on about the great broadcasters, not only sports broadcasters, but other. How about Jack Carney for all those yeah. years? And, and I mean, you can just, there's no end to the talent that's come out of this area. One of my favorite things to listen to in all of broadcasting, and I'm not talking about just locally, uh, has been live at Shannon's and the conversations. I mean, it is the absolute, I mean, for my money, for real, it might be the best show, uh, especially for a St. Louisan, because, and I think it gets to a point for your guests that they forget that they're on the radio. Uh, because yeah. it's so comfortable, and the stories you guys tell, it's the best. We always hear with our radio show, it's like guys sitting at a bar and BSing, but you guys really are yeah. sitting at a bar and BSing, and all these guys come on and tell incredible stories. Well, we've been very fortunate here, and, and Mike Claiborne has continued this. Yes, okay? indeed. And we, we, we're, we're now doing it just on Friday nights, and we're doing it from the broadcast booth, but... Uh, you know, when we when we look back and we think about the guests that we've had on that show, you know, it's uh, you 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 don't like to compare anything to Johnny Carson, but if you had sports related, it it would be pretty close. Oh, they, they they've been incredible. Do you miss having Shannon's right next to the ballpark? I got to know your your daughter Pat really well uh, over the course of like 2006 for for a few years. Just a first class human being, a great woman, and did great work. With Shannon's, do you do you miss that? Of course, there's the one in, in Edwardsville, and I know your grandson uh, is involved with that, and, and the one at the airport. But the one right there at the ballpark, how do how do you view that? Well, you know, it had its run, and uh, and and you know, basically, you know, why I started that is because of Joe DiMaggio. Oh, really? Joe DiMaggio. I asked Joe DiMaggio. I said, Joe, why aren't you in the game? He said it's because of. Uh, he said. He said. Uh, and I was interviewing him at the time. We had some mutual friends, okay. And he said, uh, you know, I consider myself uh, 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 a guy that likes fine dining. And he said, you know, if you're in the game, you can't enjoy that because you, you go to the ballpark and then, you you know, it's midnight by the time you get out. Well, I wanted some place for the ballplayer to go uh, and have fine dining. 
you know, at, at 12 or 1 o'clock at night. And, of course, that show mixed right in with it. But when you think about the people that we've had on the live at Shannon's, okay, we've had uh, great actors, actresses, uh, uh, generals, uh, you know, there's there's besides great baseball players, okay? And it was the point that, uh, and, and our show is now too, that that uh, if we don't ask a particular uh, individual, uh, he, he's, he's let down that he hasn't been asked to go on the show. And I'll give you an example. Uh, the, the great uh, Hall of Fame left-hander that pitched the, 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 the big unit, you know, he, he came up one day and said, hey, I want to be on your show. Wow, that's a guy who didn't really do a whole lot of interviews, too. Correct. You know, and, and, and that happened. I can't tell you how many times that happened. He said, you know, that's a great show. I, I can tell you this, that uh, that uh, one of the managers down at Atlanta was in the Hall of Fame. He said, man, that show, Mike, he said, I, I've got about an hour's drive to my house after after the game. He said, on the weekends, he said, I, it goes by so quickly because I'm listening to your show. And that's the great Hall of Fame manager from the Atlanta Braves, Bobby Cox. Yeah. And, and the list goes on and on. Uh, but uh, it's just the uh, circumstance. And I don't know. Uh, you know, you know I, I, I like to compliment myself about the, the great fans here and, and how knowledgeable they are about baseball. I, I, I think that I've added to that somehow, some way over the years that uh, uh, the people that, that come to the ballpark and listen to the game. And, and of course, the the ultimate compliment is uh, the person that is, uh, uh, he, he can't see, okay? So he comes to the ballpark and he, uh, and he, and he has his radio because he wants to experience the, uh, the atmosphere, okay? So his, his uh, his other, his other, uh, you know, he doesn't have his sight, but his hearing is better, mm-hmm. and his taste is better, and he wants to experience all that. So, uh, what he does, he brings the he brings the radio with him, and he can see what's going on. And when when those uh, uh, people that are visually impaired are writing me letters and say, "Hey, I I can see what's happening because of you." Well, then that's the ultimate compliment because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to describe the game to the person that's not there, that's listening on the radio. And when I get that compliment and from, from a person that's uh, visually impaired, then I know I'm doing my job. Yeah, that's that's about as good of a compliment as you can get, although Bobby Cox saying I don't want to get out of my car or my ride is going <laughs> even quicker, that's that's a, that's a great compliment as well. Those, that's true, though. Well, it's how, like, many, how many times have you done that and uh, you you uh, you – you get to your destination. You you sit in your car just because you want to hear what's going it's on. It's the best. I was I was texting with Claiborne, Mike, and it was maybe a year or two ago, and there was a rain delay, and I'm like, man, this sucks that the game's coming back on because I'm enjoying listening to you guys just BS. That's the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been very fortunate to go through all these years and have the connections that we've had, and to share them with the fans is wonderful. Yeah. Final final thought here. Final line of questioning. Uh, inevitably, it, it has to come to an end. You're obviously not on the road and doing as much as you were just 10 years ago. Uh, your cohort, Jack Buck, uh, started to cut back in the 1990s. Um, but how do you view the future? Do, do you have a date in mind where you would go, you know what, that's been enough. I'm going to spend more time uh, back at home. Or, or are you going, you know what, I want to do this for as long as I possibly can. How do you approach retirement, Mike? I just go by tonight. I know I'm going to try to get to the ballpark tonight and then uh, tomorrow. So I, I do it day by day and, uh, and uh, inning by inning and, and minute by minute. And, yeah. and that's the way I've lived my life. And, uh, 
And that's the way I'm going to do the broadcast. Yeah, but still love it as much as, as when you showed up there uh, for the first time? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, and I enjoy the camaraderie and so forth. It, it, it keeps you young, you know, and I'm around young people. And, uh, you know, I still think I'm 30 or 35, so. <laughs> you know, my, my body tells me I'm not occasionally, but, you know, I, I, it, it, what's between your ears is how you should operate. Yeah, there's, there's so much truth to that. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for giving uh, this much time, and I know our audience will appreciate it as well. Uh, Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. All right, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. So there it is, the great Mike Shannon here on the Tim McKernan Show. When we got together and said, let's do, let's do a podcast and said this last year, there were names that uh, certainly were on that initial list I wanted to have on, and Mike Shannon was most definitely on that list. So just super cool to have that conversation with him. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed uh, spending that time with Mike Shannon. Yeah, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies for presenting our guest today on the Tim McKernan Show, Mike Shannon. And, and just the stories. And, I, you know, he's so casual about it uh, because that was his life and he had great ability. But to be at that level in not only baseball, but basketball and football at that age, that just, uh, you know, that just tells you how great of an athlete he was, and as far as present day, he is a St. Louis icon. Um, and uh, just hearing the man tell stories, it, you could sit there and listen to it forever. And I'm telling you, I, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you like our style on on the Tim McKernan show and the and the in TMA. For my money, so so when I make a broadcast recommendation, you know, I'm not just throwing this around. I'm right there on the Howard Stern thing and the way he does interviews. Loved Joe Buck's interview show. Loved Bob Costas' interview show. Uh, Mike Shannon and Mike Claiborne, when they're doing live from Shannon's, I mean, if, if if I don't know if there are archives of it, but whenever that pops up in a rain delay, I'm I'm all in because the conversations are the best. You know, I mean, you just you feel like you're listening to guys just hanging out at a bar and they're like, oh yeah, there happen to be microphones here. It's the best. It's the best. So uh, live from Shannon's awesome as well. A pleasure to talk with Mike Shannon. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, Mark Hanna, uh, James Carlton, and everyone at Johnny Landoff Chevrolet online 24 seven at Landoff.com and at highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth exit support these sponsors uh, the podcast does not exist without the sponsors. If all of a sudden the sponsors start going away, then I go, well, I love doing the podcast, but we can't pay the bills. So uh, the podcast is going away. People say, well, what happened? Well, that's why I'm telling you, please support the sponsors. Please sponsor the podcast. It's a very, very small business. It's, a, it's as boutique as it gets because I'm like the only dude in the boutique. Uh, so that's, that's the name of the game. I love doing this. So many people, I feel like are discovering it. And then they go, how come you don't promote it more? And I say, well, you know, the morning after is about the group of us. And if I start promoting something that is just kind of my own thing, what if like Doug had something that was his own thing or the cat had something that was his own? I, I personally, I'd be fine with it myself, but you know, I, it's just, a, you know, I'm promoting my own thing there. And I, I'm kind of uncomfortable doing that just cause I don't feel like yeah, it's a, it's a weird spot. Now if we play sound that's relevant to TMA, I'll do it there. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's really spreading by word of mouth subscribe to it. That way the interviews and the questions from the audience are up there for you anytime you want them. And like I said, so many of these interviews are evergreen. 
Uh, and they're so different, whether it be with radio personalities, television personalities, uh, blues players, blues legends, cardinal players, cardinal legends, cardinal management, uh, Isaac Bruce on the program. I mean, it's it's a it's a diverse, and it's just you're sitting there just, just bullshitting with people, and I love it. If I have if 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 Iggy uh, pitches a guest and I say yes, you know that I'm interested. I, I if people have pitched guests to me and I said, listen, I agree. I think that would be a great guest. I just wouldn't be the best person to interview the person because I don't know much about it, or I'm just not me personally all that interested. So when I get all fired up for an interview, it's because I'm legitimately interested and there aren't notes in front of me to ask questions. It's just curiosity. So I might miss obvious questions that people are expecting to hear answers, but it's because it's a conversation. When you're having a conversation with somebody, uh, you don't have a notebook there. So that's, uh, you know, and it's not like I'm con conducting some kind of congressional investigation. We're just bullshitting. But when you just bullshit, that's when you wind up getting some some good stuff. So I love doing this thing. I uh, hope we can do it for a long time. And uh, that's why I keep going back to the sponsors. And I guess if you listen to TMA, you get the sponsorship element. I know it, it's usually people don't want to get into the, the business side of the business, but it's relevant because without the sponsors, we don't have it. So Ryan Kelly, James Carlton, Mark Hanna, Seth Goldcamp of Designer Heating and Cooling, the sponsor of our video clips online, uh, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet make this thing possible. And, uh, and so... You can go back and listen to the interviews, the questions from the audience, submit them. Your feedback's welcome anytime. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Love doing it. Love having the opportunity as a, as a native Southsider, just like Mike Shannon, have a conversation with him about his life growing up uh, and all the incredible things he was doing at such a young age and all he has done throughout his life as not only the Cardinal broadcaster, but a Cardinal player and, of course, a native St. Louis. And thank you to our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet. For my producer, Kenneth Iggy Strode, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from thehomeloanexpert.com studios.